So, hi folks, uh, my name is Vivian and uh, Abuna a few months ago asked me to uh, give a talk and I was uh, tired and jet lagged and overseas and I said yes. And it slowly, slowly started coming back to me a few weeks ago and I thought I need to prepare for this lesson. And so, um, I was supposed to give the lesson yesterday and so Abuna decided that was going to happen today and so it kind of works out perfectly. So when Ibuna asked me what I want to talk about, I thought, well, it's the end of the year, so we need to kind of think about, you know, reflection, because that's what we tend to do at the end of the year. And of course, we make New Year's resolutions, and what is the percentage that people think of the success of New Year's resolutions? What is the percentage of people actually following through on New Year's resolutions? 1%? Mina? 1%? It's not that bad. People aren't that bad. Come on. <laughs> 10%? 17, 20? 5. So they say that by the third week of January, about 80% of us have failed on our New Year's resolution. So Monica, you get the prize. Did you say 20? <laughs> um, and so... I wasn't really interested in like New Year's resolutions. What I was really more interested in was kind of reflecting on the year. And as I started thinking more and more about it, I thought rather than making New Year's resolutions, um, why don't we look at, you know, what is it that people um, tend to regret in their life? Because that's where New Year's resolutions really come from. And so what is it that people kind of regret in their life um, and then hope to change? And then I start stopped and I really start thinking a little bit more and I thought about a little bit more deeper in terms of not just about what people regretted about the last year. Um, and so I, I Googled. And so as I Googled, I came across articles and literature of what people truly regretted. And I came across this one book uh, that I started kind of diving a little bit deeper on. And it was written by a nurse, or it is written by a nurse who is a palliative care nurse. So she basically dedicated her life to caring for patients the last 12 weeks of their life. And it's, she's an Australian nurse. And for those of you that have had any form of um, care, medical care of people that are dying, it is, it is really interesting to kind of watch someone pass away and the opportunity of, for them to really reflect on their life. And so I was kind of more and more intrigued in terms of what she had, what she had written about. And so I stopped for a second before I kind of got into the article or the book, and I started thinking about, if I was to go back and ask you in the last 12 months, what did you spend the most time on in the past 12 months? So it doesn't necessarily need to be like quantitative time, like it doesn't necessarily need to be work, even though that will be one of the high ones that you will, you will most likely point out, but also stuff that you really thought long and hard about, stuff that has consumed your, uh, your time. And so I always think like, what are the top four things that most people would say that they really focused on in the past year? Um, yell it out or I'm gonna call you because I, I know most of you. <laughs> what do you think that the top four things are? John? School or work. School or work, very good. Bishoy? Fitness, Monica? Rabbits or raptors? <laughs> okay, Mina? Family, Annie? <laughs> Did Mina take your left? Anything else that people think? 
social media. Sorry, who said that? Very good answer. Let me tell you something. All these other people were thinking it. They just didn't say it. Anything else? So for the person that said fitness, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, but usually it's about um, work, family, social media that consumes, uh, tends to consume. And then the other aspect is, is financial worry is a big one that often happens that people really think about. So recognizing how much time and effort you have taken in these, in these aspects, is there anything from that that you regret? Or is there anything from that that you would do differently or that you would take back if you thought that 2018 was your last year? So that's what this book was all about. And it was written by no means uh, from a Christian perspective, but it was written from really an agnostic perspective of what people kind of regretted in life. And what I did is I took this book and I kind of married it into the, the um, scriptures from the Bible to, say, to see if God has given us some form of direction over some of these things that people really regretted. And to tell you the truth, I was saying this to Annie when we were coming here, and not that I think I know it all, but some of the answers really surprised me. And um, for some of you that don't know me very well, I used to be way back in the day, I used to be a therapist. And so when you kind of do therapy, you tend to, nothing kind of that people talk about really surprises you anymore because you kind of feel like you've, you've heard it all. And, and Annie agreed because she's a psychotherapist. And so um, you kind of feel like you've heard it all. But when I kind of read this book or read this article, I was really taken back by some of the points that they had talked about. And so I'm going to just start with, uh, with the first one. <clears throat> so the first one was, I wish I lived for myself more, which I thought was really interesting. Um, people felt that what they did is that they kind of put their life on pause or on hold, and they basically lived their life uh, for somebody else. And so either that they lived their life because their family has asked them to, whatever it may be, that they want their they want their kids to be pharmacists or whatever it may be. And, and that's basically what they decide to do and go down that path. But it was never truly their, their real passion or that they were, um, a, you know, a, a family person. And what they did is that they dedicated their lives to their families, which is obviously not a bad thing. But what they did is that they really didn't live what they wanted to do. And so um, all of them talked about their bucket list and how they regretted not actually going through and doing most of the stuff on their bucket list, but really just dreaming about it. And so I thought a little bit more about where in the scriptures that talk about, you know, God saying to kind of follow your heart. And, and I came across two verses, which is Proverbs 69. And the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And the last one was the Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forever. So follow your heart. The next one was of no surprise, I wish I didn't work so hard. And so there was chapters of this, of this, uh, in this part where it says, I wish I didn't work so hard. And it talks about the love of money, but I'm not even sure to tell you the truth that it is the love of money. I think um, some of us work for the sake of work. I don't necessarily think it's that we look at how big, I mean, maybe, but, you know, there's the aspect of how big is the house and, and what's the nicest car and, 
do I, do I have a Rolex or whatever it may be or the security aspect of it. But I think it is the other aspect of the security aspect of it, not necessarily the love of money, but whatever it may be. What she talked about in her article was that at the end of the day, we thrive on emotional connection and love, both of which require other people, do not require a job or money. And in fact, I just remember um, the happiest people that I think I've, I've met in, in my path in life were those that um, didn't have a lot of money. Like they just didn't have a lot of materialistic things, but they were still very, very happy. And uh, at the times where either myself or my friends were the most miserable, <laughs> it was because we were overworked and we were exhausted and we were running on fumes. And so I came across two verbs, uh, verses that I thought obviously fit fairly well. And it's Hebrews 13.5 that says, keep your, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And 1 John 2, 15 and 17, and of course we say this at every liturgy, do not love the, do not love the world or the things of the world. If any, <clears throat> anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with the desires, but whoever loves the will of God abides forever. So I was a little bit surprised over the next one. And only because I do it all the time and I don't think anything of it. And it says, I wish I didn't hold back my feelings. And so um, what Patience talked about was that the more, and I, and I couldn't agree more with, with this, re with this uh, reflection, was that the more that they held back their feelings, the more they ended up um, having leading a very limited and very resentful existence. And so what we often do is that we often keep the peace, and so we don't rock the boat, and we don't ever really truly share sometimes our thoughts and our feelings, and particularly when it comes to family or close friends. Um, again, we don't want to rock the boat, and so what ends up happening is that you end up having a very shallow, shallow relationship, and then eventually there's resentment that ends up happening from it. And so, the author talked about not only is it um, difficult to obviously sustain these relationships, but it actually has an impact on both your, men your mental and your physical illness, uh, your physical well-being. And so I came across a couple of verses that talked about this, because I do believe that as Christians we do um, keep the peace. Um, but the first verse talks about these are the things that, that, you sh that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgment that are true and make, make for peace. And the second one is, instead of speaking, instead, speaking the truth of, in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is, who is the head, that is Christ. And Ephesians 4.25 is, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with the neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The next one should not be of any surprise. It is to, I wish I was happier. And so um, I think with this one in particular, one of the things that we often said to, back in the days when I used to be a therapist, we used to always say to patients, really, it's based on your perception. So whatever it is, it's in your situation, it's in your control. I'm not talking about those that have a significant um, 
you know, mental illness of, of clinical depression, but there's lots of things that are going to happen in your life that are going to make you upset, obviously. And it could be at work, it could be your family, it could be your friends. Um, but ultimately, it's how you perceive things and how you see things. And so what happens outside is not within your control, but what's in your control is actually your emotions. And so the key to emotional control lies within us. And, and that's just one of the things that we often have to remember. The other aspect is that the more you become um, unhappy, the more you will have... There's, there's research that shows that there's more physiological illnesses that tend to happen to people that are just constantly unwell. And so um, I put this little picture up there because I used to always talk to my clients about you kind of have to sometimes fake it, fake the smile until it finally comes. Um, and so the, the, the point of the story or the point of, this, of this, point, this part is that really it is within your control for the most part. And so it's always about seeing the glass half full versus half empty. And um, there's three, three scriptures that I ran into, that I saw that I thought was helpful. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. James 1, 2 to 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith uh, produces perseverance. In Galatians 5, 22, what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against such things, there is no law. The last, oh, the next one. I wish I cared less of what others think. Um, here's the one part of the article that I thought was really interesting, which talked about most often people are so worried and concerned about what people think of them, but in fact, most people don't really talk about you as much as you think that they talk about you. You're not that significant in their world, but in your mind you are. And she talked about living authentically, simply, and happily, and do what feels right for you. And so uh, the three verses that I came across were, uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. It is dangerous. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Galatians one ten. For I am. For am I. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I am. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the last one is, and I saw that all toil and all achievements aspiring from one, well, from one person's envy of another, this too is meaningless, a chasing, a, a chasing after the wind. Of course, no surprise, one of them is, I wish I didn't worry so much. Um, and of course, I came up with multiple verses from the Bible. But I used to always tell clients, you know, at the end of the day, if I thought that worry was gonna take away the situation or make it better, I'd say go for it. Of course, it doesn't. And, and what it does is actually, it impacts you physically and mentally, it impacts your sleep, it impacts every aspect of your life. Um, but we spend so much time worrying about what's, what is to be or what has come or what has occurred that it's, we, we consume our world or our, our lives with worry. Um, and what she had talked about here is that people just worried about everything. They worried about their life, they worried about their relationships, they worried about money, um, every aspect of it. And so, and we talk about this obviously during every liturgy, but 
Um, Matthew 6, 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6, 20, 33 and 34. <clears throat> but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the, sufficient for the day is, the, is one's own trouble. And uh, I'll do the last one. Fear not. This is one of my absolute favorites. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with, your right, with my righteous hand. Um, the next one is, I wish I took better care of myself. Um, one of the things that I think is so interesting is how hard we work to look forward to things like vacations or retirement. And, and I, I joke around about this because every year at this time I get sick. Every single year, December, I get sick because it's the very first time I give my body a break. And my body says to me, let me just show you who's in control, who's the boss. Um, and so people on their deathbed talked about how they wish that they took better care of themselves because obviously they were now in control of somebody else taking care of them where all of their freedoms were taken away. And she talked about how you only have one body, mind, and spirit. And if you don't take care of it, ultimately you haven't really, you've lost all the freedom because now somebody else has to take care of you. And so I came across three verses that I thought were um, basically directions from God um, in regards to this. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were, brought, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your, body, with your bodies. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, for the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable of, to God, which is your spiritual worship. And 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things, are, bless you, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved to anything. So this one is the last one, and I thought it was um, very interesting because it's the one thing I think I struggle the absolute most with. And it talks about, I wish I lived in the now. And so um, one of my, I guess, 2018 goals was to learn to live in the now because often I have 10,000 things going on in my head. And people um, on their deathbed talked about, we reminisce on the past and we wish you could bring it back or we long for the future that hasn't happened yet. And so in fact, what it is is that you're living in misalignment. You're not, you're not where you're supposed to be. And you're always thinking about something that, you, that hasn't occurred at, at, at that moment. In addition to that, and I think it's probably because she had an older generation that she took care of when she was caring for them, is that I kind of put two pictures up there because um, that kind of talks about where we are now and it talks about the comment about social media. I'm always in awe over when I see people gathering together and they're all on their phones. It's, it blows me away. Like it really blows me away as you're sitting right next to someone and they're on their phone going through social media. Or when we're at work and you have literally your computer, your phone, another phone going off, like we really just don't live in the moment. 
and nor do we actually then end up enjoying what God has given us. And so um, I came across two verses that I thought were fitting for this, and it's Isaiah 43, 18. Do not call the mind the former things or ponder things of the past. And Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid, laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goals of the prize on, of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And so I'm kind of concluding this talk by just saying, I hope we're not going to need to be on our deathbeds to regret some of the things that uh, we've done in the past or where we're going in the future. This is you know, a collection of stories of people that have literally have said the same exact thing over and over and over again to this palliative care nurse. And so I do hope that for 2019 um, that we have God's peace and joy and love with us and that we don't have regrets. But if, 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 we, if we are struggling, I, I, I've kind of turned to Philippians 4.13 and it says, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. And then James 1.5 when he said, I am, <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, which we, which we do, um, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's it. You're welcome.